Welcome to Your American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Good afternoon. Welcome to Your American Heritage. My name is Ed Bondarenka, and of course, I'm not your normal... Not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And my pronouns are normative, cisgendered, binary, and descriptive. I hope that helps. The show is produced by Derek Stone, Swiss Army Knife of Radio. Derek's also the host of Stone Cold Sports, Sundays, noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd, the Rock and Rev on the intersection at noon. <laughs> it's... Not your normal fluffy Christian show. It's day 255 of the coup. The takeover of the American government by forces opposed to the values of the founders of the nation, by those who seek to dominate you and enrich themselves. This administration is not interested in supporting you. It is interested in power. It is interested in subjecting you, subjugating you. They're now enforcing a loyalty test on the military. It's called Take the Shot or Quit. I recorded this show last night. Okay, so I want you to know this pre-recorded show for the most part. The ending might be live. But uh, I wanted to interview Pastor Arthur Pulowski, who has recently got out of jail in Alberta after having returned there uh, from this country doing a, a speaking engagement tour. I had to take the opportunity to interview Pastor Pulowski last night because he would not be able to do a live show today as at this time he is back in the pulpit in the first time in four months. And so if all goes well, he's preaching in his church this morning as we speak. So in the words of Charlie Kirk, here we go. Joining me today is Pastor Arthur Pulowski of Alberta, Canada. And also joining the conversation are my friends, Pastor Sean Todd of The Intersection and Pastor Patrick Steele of Ignite Church in Milan, Michigan. These men are warriors, so let's go to war. Let's pray. Father, Please lead us and guide us today and in the days to come. Please give us the wisdom we need as we fight the assault on our citizenry. Please help us retake the reins of government from these traitors and criminals. Please reveal the intent of their hearts to the people. And please invitedly and either bring them to a place of repentance or remove them from power. Please help the people to turn to you for support and strength because it's only through you that support and strength comes. Thank you and amen. So, I'd like to play a portion of the clip that brought Pastor Archer to pat my attention last Easter, and actually a lot of people. And so, uh, this is him casting the demons from his church. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Okay. Get out of this property. Okay. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out! Out! Out of this property! Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out! Out! Well, that pretty much made Pastor Arthur noticed. And uh, we had him on the show a couple days after that. And um, we had a, a great interview with him then. And then we had an interview with him a little bit later. And then we were trying to play catch up with him, and we found out that uh, Pastor Arter had been jailed. So, uh, like I said, joining me now is Pastor Arter. Pastor Arter, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me in. Well, so you were leaving your church after a service, 
And then you were attacked by the police, right? Would you describe that for us? Well, what happened after me, you know, kicking out those Nazis, those, you know, gangsters in uniform, like I like to call them, uh, they came back with a warrant. They, for whatever reason, somehow they got a corrupted judge in Alberta of a name David Gates. And I'm not sure if that Gates is related to your Gates, Bill Gates in the States. But David Gates have given them enormous powers, uh, pretty much a carte blanche that they could go and do whatever they want. They can come to the church anytime they want, any day of the week, and with whomever they want to come with. So they showed up with SWAT team. And the terrorists showed up at our church and they wanted to come in. We kicked them out again. Uh, in the court document, David Gates also uh, put a portion that said that they can arrest me using any force they deem necessary. And I kicked them out again, and then we kicked them again, only for them to come back with another order from another crooked judge that has a total disregard to the law of the land. Uh, that judge is Associate Chief Justice Rook, and that guy has given them even more powers. He can... He says, you can arrest anyone in the province of Alberta, uh, Jane Doe, John Doe, children, men, women, it doesn't matter. You can arrest anyone you want. I'm giving you that power to do so. So we had a church service. That uh, court order has never been given to me, never read to me, never sent to me or to my lawyers. And... What happened was though those uh, crooks, they showed up at our church, opened the door and dropped something on the ground. I was already at the pulpit preaching. So I didn't, uh, I did not know what they are dropping on the ground. It turned out, of course, later on, that this was uh, this uh, guy's order and that gave the police and the AHS, Alberta Health Services, enormous power, even more than the previous crooked judge has given it to them. So people went home. I uh, was uh, driving home with my brother David and a friend of ours, and we were stopped by the anti-terrorists in the middle of the highway. We were taken to police custody, handcuffed, dragged from the street, thrown like a piece of meat inside the police vehicles, and we were taken to a solitary confinement in the police station. They wrapped us up. They threw us in the filthiest cell you can imagine. We were deprived of sleep for three days and two nights. For two days, we could not have access to our lawyers. I mean, total lawlessness, injustice. And they stripped us naked. They put chains on our feet. And off we went to see another judge on Monday. Um, Monday, I think it was uh, 11.30 a.m. that we saw that other judge, Germain. Later on, we were released from prison uh, around 7 p.m. And we were charged with a civil contempt times two for me, times one for my brother David. And listen to this. My crime and my brother's crime was inciting people to come to church, officiating a church service and participating in illegal gathering which, of course, was the church service that I officiated. So we were charged 
later on we stood before the judge and what's fascinating about the story that the third judge is a personal friend to the previous judge Rook Rook the chief uh, associate uh, chief justice um, from Alberta he asked personally this third judge Germain to officiate or you know to 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 precise to preside over um, these proceedings as a personal favor and he agreed and from the very beginning I said to our lawyers and to my brother David we don't stand a chance because he publicly admitted that he was asked uh, to do this as a personal favor from the judge that put us in prison I mean it can't get any more corrupted than that and the beginning of the trial was we're in the middle of the greatest pandemic and people are dying left and right and this and that. I mean, I said to our lawyers and to my brother David, he's not a judge. He's a political activist. He is just doing everything the politicians are saying and the mainstream media is shoveling through our throats. So we don't stand a chance. There was This whole thing was never about law and order. This had nothing to do with justice. This is a political bullies, bully. So anyway, in prison, I decided to come to the U.S. and tell my story and to let the people know that whatever is happening to me, it's going to happen to them as well. Listen, look what they're doing in Australia, New Zealand, Europe. Look what is happening at your northern border. They are destroying democracy. And whatever they're doing to me, be sure of it. They're going to do it to you as well. If you will not pay attention, if Americans, you will not stand up, you're next. When they are going to be done with us, they are going to come after you as well. So I decided to come and share my story and to scare the Americans, if I could, to say, hey, rise up, stand up or else. I mean, the history is teaching us that those people will never stop. Those bullies will keep bullying. Evil never stops. Evil needs to be stopped. So I was in the States for the past four months telling people what is happening in Canada warning them about what's coming to the United States. And then eventually I decided to come back home. I mean, I have been away from my home for four months and it was time for me to come back. And I was offered by Americans um, everything to stay there, to seek asylum, uh, to, you know, to get a church and money and everything else. Uh, but if I would not come back home, if I would ask Americans to stand up and do what I myself am not willing to do, I would become the biggest hypocrite of them all. So I came back to Calgary, Alberta. So, Pastor Arthur, well, for one thing, as something I've been dying to ask you, how does a man, I assume you were out on bail, right? How do you get permission to leave? I mean, it's, it was so difficult for people to leave Canada and come to the United States. And here you are, a guy that's facing, I imagine, a court trial. And, I mean, you were arrested. Were you out on bail when you came here, or how'd that work? So, people do not understand. I have been charged at that time with a civil contempt of court order times two. That's four years prison if you are found guilty. So that's what I'm facing. I'm facing four years of prison for that. However, it's not a criminal charge. It's a civil contempt. And 
I had no restrictions of travel or leave the country. I left the country legally. I bought the tickets. I went to the airport. I used my passport and I flew to United States without problems and legally. And I stayed in United States of America legally. Everything I did was legal. And when the time for me to come back came legally, I came back to my country. There was no warrants for my arrests. There was no extradition. There was no government telling I have to come back or else. The trial was going on while I was in the States on Zoom calls. So I could be in the court via Zoom call from anywhere around the world. I chose um, to attend the trial and the judge never said I have to be in Calgary. I have to be in Calgary personally uh, to be on a Zoom. So I, everything that was going on was legal and according to the court wishes. When I flew back before, we called the authorities. My lawyers contacted uh, the authorities asking if there are any outstanding warrants, if there is anything pending, uh, what is going to happen to me when I come back. And the authorities lied to our lawyers. They lied to me. And they said that there's no outstanding warrants. There is nothing to worry about. Just come back to Canada. So we decided to come. And a friend of mine that has a, a Cessna, uh, he decided to fly me from Montana to Calgary. It's only one hour uh, flight. It was the easiest way to do. And also, I knew I had the feeling that they're going to try to do something to me and they hate the cameras. I knew that if they are to arrest me, they don't want people to record that arrest because the previous one uh, went all over the world. Millions upon millions of people watched it. So I had the sense that that's exactly what they want. They don't want um, people to know what's really going on. They don't want people to see the level of tyranny that is right now in, in Canada. Um, my friend showed up at the airport, my wife, my children, my brother, his wife, and a bunch of other people to greet me. And of course, they had cameras rolling. Reporters showed up as well. However, when we were landing, they told us, they told the pilot that they, they need him to divert from a regular place to a different place. And they asked him to take his plane to a totally different place by the customs where the plane was hidden from the people that came to greet me. You see, what they wanted to achieve was attack me, ambush me without the cameras rolling, without the reporters having the opportunity to see what's really going on with me. The friends and the family members were not allowed to come. They were kept hundreds of yards away. The police cars were hidden behind the building and the police, those masked bandits, those gangsters, those mafia were hiding in a customs building inside. So what happened when we arrived, we were told that the custom border officers are going to come and check the plane. That's the standard thing. They will check our luggage, my luggage, if I'm not smuggling anything. That's standard. That's normal. So there was no indication that there is an ambush going to happen until a pilot stepped out of the plane and I was asked to step out as well. So I took my luggage and they said, oh, no, you leave this uh, all inside because you're under arrest. I said, what? 
unbelievable. Those sneaky gangsters, those mafiosos, they arrested me uh, based on the warrants that they did that did not exist until I was already in the air without being able to contact my lawyers and know what's really going to be happening. They lied, they cheated to our lawyers, and they ambushed me like gangsters in the middle of the woods. I was handcuffed, taken to the customs. My staff was taken there as well, and, and they looked at me and said, we're going to check everything. Well, whatever, check everything. I have nothing that I'm smuggling or hiding. Um, you can check my shoes if you want. I don't care which they did, actually. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking. I'm going to smuggle Donald Trump in a suitcase um, to fix our country. I, I have no idea what those people are thinking. Uh, however, I was taken to the police detention center. Um, all my personal belongings were taken away from me. The belt, the shoes, the whole nine yards. I received my phone call um, to talk to the lawyer and I was thrown into a solitary confinement. Later on, around 10 o'clock, I've heard some commotion outside the prison. Um, I've heard the shofars, and I've heard that there's a bunch of people blowing shofars. I knew they came to protest this great kidnapping. I mean, that's what it was uh, happening. I was kidnapped by the gangsters in uniform. My lawyers were not notified. My family was kept away. And I think that's the most horrible thing that those people did. They, after four months being away from my home, they did not even allow me to hug my wife and kiss my children that came to greet me at the airport. Those are evil, wicked people. They're acting like the Gestapo of old. They're acting like the KGB. You know, you got to remember, I grew up behind the Iron Curtain under the boots of the Soviets. So their tactics right now are identical to the tactics that I have seen growing up. Now, I had a bail hearing around 10.30 at night, and the judge released me without conditions. I have to keep the peace like everybody else. Uh, promise of, uh, of the, you know, keep the peace and uh, good behavior uh, like everybody else. So I was surprised that they did not give any conditions on my release. And 12.30 at night, I walked out uh, to the amusement of the protesters because people came to camp over there. Uh, they were preparing to camp all night long and they were screaming and yelling. I First, I thought I'm being attacked by Antifa. Uh, it turned out they are the supporters and protesters outside of jail, uh, happy to see me. They thought I'm a ghost <coughs> out in the middle of the night. So um, I went home and behold, I asked the police, where is my belongings? And it turned out no one knew what happened with my luggage and my computer and my electronics. Uh, two days later, finally, I could locate my stuff which were taken to evidence room, police warehouse, where finally they were all given to me. My computer's password was broken. Um, they, uh, I don't know what they were looking in my computer. Those people are, are so wicked, so evil. Um, but, you know, I guess they are eager to read my um, sermons and watch my preaching. Uh, well, that's pretty much what I have in a computer. So, Pastor, as anybody knows, anybody entering on a Christian, entering a communist country, a socialist country, is going to be checked to make sure they're not smuggling Bibles. So I'm sure 
they assumed you were trying to smuggle Bibles into Canada, right? Well, I wouldn't Not, be surprised. Uh, Pastor Sean, Pastor Patrick, do you have any any questions for Pastor Arter? Oh, I think I just wanted to, uh, again, reaffirm our support because this is a worldwide phenomenon. And I think you're exactly right that uh, if we don't wake up, it's right at the door for us. I did notice, however, that when you were in the States, you were even attacked by our fascist. The Antifa group came and attacked one of your uh, prayer services and threw flash pots where there were young children, uh, broke sound equipment and threw it into the river. And while the police stood by and did nothing, we're starting to see that phenomena happen more and more here where they will, if they don't oppress us directly with authorities, they will allow almost like paramilitary groups to attack and to, to uh, kind of reminiscent of uh, Nazi Germany. Um, I know that in some other states, California with John MacArthur was fighting the fight and some other pastors um, were fighting that fight. Um, so I guess in my, your assessment, um, how far behind Canada is America? I would say you're about two months behind, three months behind. Um, however, I see more resistance in United States than I have seen in Canada and in Australia. Right now, Australia is on fire because they have been stripped of everything. I mean, for them, it's either die or fight. You don't want to wait until that happens to you. Now is the time to stand up and rise up. Now is the time to push this non-compliance, civil disobedience, just do not obey their orders. And you have to do it on masses. You have to say, no, we're not your slaves. We're not, we will not comply. You have to do civil rights, disobedience movements, Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi and solidarity movement with Lech Wałęsa. When millions of Polish people took it to the streets and they said, that's it, we're not your slaves. We are free people and we will not comply. We will not work for you anymore. If Americans will not do that, you're about two, three months behind what is happening in Canada. And it's very interesting because when I arrived in United States, I was strongly telling Americans, listen, they came for me. Now they're coming for you. Wake up, rise up. But they were not eager to listen. I had a great receptions, but there was very little action after the conferences and different meetings because Americans thought, well, um, this is Canada, this is Australia, you know, that's what is going to happen over there, but it will never happen in the United States. And I remember at least at the very beginning when Americans were coming to me and they said, well, this is United States of America, we have a constitution. And I kept telling them, Nazis, the brown shirts of Adolf Hitler, the KJB communistic, socialistic psychopaths don't care about your piece of paper. They don't care about your constitution. You have to care about your piece of paper. You have to care about your declaration of independence and the constitution of the United States of America. If you will not, those types of people, those bullies, will have total disregard to a law and order. And that's exactly what I see right now. I remember I was invited to the biggest television station in the country, in Chicago, like 200 stations. And I overheard a conversation with a reporter and a politician. And this is what they said. Well, folks, stay tuned for the second half of Your American Heritage and find out exactly what they said. Thank you. 
We were made to be courageous We were made to lead the way We could be the generation That finally breaks the chains We were made to be courageous We were made to be courageous We were warriors on the front lines Standing unafraid Folks, welcome back to the second half of Your American Heritage and our interview with Pastor Arthur Pulowski, who has returned to Canada after having done a speaking engagement tour of the United States, and he's describing what he came across here in America and what he faces back in Canada. I was invited to the biggest television station in the country, in Chicago, like 200 stations, and I overheard a conversation with a reporter and a politician. And this is what they said. We're going to implement vaccine passport everywhere people will not be able to buy or sell unless they will be vaccinated like dogs like cats like cattle and what do you have right now in canada you know in my city you cannot go to a restaurant unless you're vaccinated like a dog you're not allowed to go to a gym you're not allowed to have a life you cannot even work if you're not vaccinated with the flu you know it's not even vaccine it's it's it's, it's a lie. If you're not jabbed with a lie, then, uh, then you're not allowed to even work. So this is what's coming your way. I've heard it with my own ears from this politician and the reporter. So now it's up to you. You know what's cooking. You see what's going on in Australia, New Zealand and Canada. Whatever they're doing to us, they are going to do to you unless again, unless you... You say no. No and get out. You see, you know why my story went viral? Because an ordinary thing, what I have done was an ordinary thing. I did what every pastor, every man, every father, every grandpa, every son is supposed to be doing. Kicking the evil out from his house, from his restaurant, from the church, from his life protecting the women and children. That's what we men are required to do. I did an ordinary thing, but because now these days, there's not many people that are willing to do the ordinary thing, it became extraordinary thing. So you know. what we have to do, we have to start doing what we are called to do. As shepherds, we are to fend off the hyenas and the wolves. That's why God has given us the stuff and the stick. Pastor Patrick, I want to play something here, and then I'd like you to chime in. This is uh, Congresswoman uh, Representative Cindy Axney, and uh, she was speaking and caught on a Zoom call uh, saying these things yesterday. So now all the schools are back wanting to put mask mandates in, and all the, the anti-vaxxer crazies are out there with their, you know, their, it's, it's, a, it's a hot mess. I'll, I'll be honest, the, 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 you know, Christian right is, you know, the, everything under the guise while they hold a cross and, you know, for God or whatever. And they and they use it like a weapon. And it's painful to watch because they've uh, they've weaponized religion. They've weaponized politics. <laughs> Those evil Christians. Patrick, Pastor Patrick, you got a comment on that, on, on the weaponization that the Christians have been doing of these things? 
Yeah. I mean, this reminds me kind of what the new governor of New York was doing in preaching a sermon uh, about getting the vaccine and that the vaccine is from God. And uh, here we have people who have intentionally shoved God out of their party and, uh, you know, claim that they're not about religion or Christianity. But this goes to show the disingenuous nature of these folks that they will even use religion on us as a tool if they think that they can cause us to comply or manipulate us. And, you know, the people in that audience cheered for her when she preached that sermon and claiming they were her disciples to get out there. So whether they're slamming us and criticizing or so whether they're trying to pander to us, it's all really a manipulative game to constrict upon us. And make no mistake, I think this is what we have to realize, you know, Persecution is not something that's just going to come someday. I think by watching what Arthur is going through, watching the street preacher in the UK on the other side of the world that was recently arrested for public disturbance and other places where this is happening, persecution is here. Just ask Arthur if persecution is coming or not. He will tell you that it's already here. Now, we saw the, you know, the ranking military official who's been locked up for speaking against the way um, the administration has handled the Afghanistan situation. He's been locked up. He's been put away. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but this is the measure that they're taking. They're ready to put us behind bars. This is what they're doing to Archer. But I think we need to make no mistake. The real target is not only freedom-loving people. John said in 1 John that Antichrist is a spirit. And I believe, like most people, that you know eventually the Antichrist is going to manifest in one man who will probably be some kind of a world leader. But we need to remember, Antichrist is a spirit, and it wants to move in that direction. So there doesn't need to be an Antichrist specifically on the earth for these things to begin happening. The target, according to the Bible, is the church. This is what they're looking for. This is what it will ultimately end up uh, um, uh, putting the red dot on. They're, they're after the, the enemy is after the church, and persecution is already here. And I've talked to a number of Christians in the last couple of weeks who were contemplating whether to comply. Some folks have actually called me or talked to me and said, I'm thinking about complying because the pressure is just too much. And I'm trying to encourage them to stand up like Arthur is and don't comply because once the freedom is gone, it's not coming back. Like he said, yeah. you have to fight all the harder for it down the road. You know, when, uh, Pastor Arthur, when you were speaking earlier about your treatment, your initial treatment by your government when you were arrested, uh, I was reminded of something I heard Pastor Pat say recently, and he was quoting 1 Corinthians uh, 4, 9 through 10. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring 
of all things until now? Well, you know, growing up behind the Iron Curtain, I've seen this movie before and doesn't end well unless we change the script. When this lady, this demon-possessed, wicked, evil, vile person was talking when you played that clip, she is using, um, she's using the rhetorics, she's manipulating the facts and turning the facts against us while at the same time she is guilty of what she's accusing us of. They weaponized everything they're doing. They are the villains. The Antifa, the BLM are the brown shirts of Adolf Hitler. The politicians are forcing us. They are using weapons against us to comply, not the other way around. You see, Christians, we just want to be free. But they're liars. And they will, like uh, you said, sir, they will use anything against us that they can to manipulate the rhetorics, to put pressure, uh, terrorizing us. So what we are witnessing right now is the repetition of history. The government mm -hmm. wants to be worshipped. And anyone and anything that is competing with that worship, in other words, with that golden image that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego refused to bow to, if you're not bowing, you will go through the fire. But here is my sermon, a mini sermon for today. Christians have been avoiding the fire for so long that they are not on fire for Jesus anymore. They're comfortable, self-centered, um, egoistic, me, I, and myself. I want my best now. God has a wonderful plan for my life now. <laughs> I don't want to suffer. I don't want to pay any price. Even though mm. it cost the father his son, it cost the son his own life. But I don't want to pay a price. So in the fire, if you're willing to go, God deals with your enemies, with your afflictions, with your sicknesses. In the fire, first, he deals with your problems. In the fire, he shows up to set you free. He sets the captives free. In the fire, you have a coffee with your king. In the fire, your testimony is the loudest. That's what you can preach, that you actually believe in God, God of the Bible. Go to the fire and go to the fire willfully, because that's where your miracles are. In the fire, your miracles happen. So I remember when he showed me this vision about two and a half years ago, before the COVID started, I saw this fence and I knew that the fence represents the whole world. And I saw people sitting on a fence, just like I have seen for the past 30 years watching Christianity, people enjoying the ride. They're sitting on a fence and they just like enjoy the view. They don't want to be with Jesus and they don't want to be with the world. They're kind of sitting in the middle. And I saw two hands and I knew those hands are God's hands. And I saw him shaking the fence. I saw him shaking the fence. And I saw people falling to the left and to the right. And when he was done, I'm telling you, no one was sitting on the fence. And then he spoke to me. And he said, when I'm done, everyone will have to make a choice, either me or the devil. Is that not what we're seeing right now? This is the greatest separation between the wolves and the sheep, sheep and the goats we have ever seen in our lifetime. God is cleaning his church. 
The judgment of God starts in the house of the Lord. He is separating us from the real deal and from the fake, real shepherds from the hired guns. Those that are willing to pay the price and fight off the hyenas and the wolves and those that were just doing their job for a bowl of soup, a silver coin. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing because before Jesus comes back, he has to purify his church because the Bible says that he's coming back for a glorious church. So um, I don't see bad things out of this whole mess. I think that in order to clean the house, like my mom always did, which I could never understand at that time, why she was flipping everything, why she was making more mess. I thought she was cleaning. But in order to clean the house, first you have to take everything apart in order to clean where normally you don't clean under the carpet. You know, men, we have a tendency to put everything under the carpet and we're happy campers. As long as everything outside looks kind of good, we're good. I'm good. But wives, women are different. In order to clean the house, they first make a huge mess, which is overwhelming to us. I want to run away from the house when she, when she does that. But in order to clean and do a proper job, you have to flip the tables like he did in Jerusalem. You have to clean the house, uh, the house of the Lord in order for him to have his spotless lamb. And that's what we're seeing right now. And the enemy is being judged. The church is being judged. And I've heard, and here's a fascinating story from a friend of mine. She was attacked without mercy. They arrested her and her daughter, and they took her to jail. And she was facing a trial. And God spoke to her and, she, and said, do not worry. I'm going to kill the man that is doing this to you. He's going to die. And, and you would listen to this as, oh, that's too much. Well, 15 minutes, 15 minutes into a trial. There is a messenger that came in to the court and said, well, the key witness passed away in the hospital 15 minutes before. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, many people will drop dead. Those people that are doing this against God's will, against God's children, they are going to die. Many people will die left and right. And many of them are going to die because they're just plain stupid. They're putting a foreign object into their systems and i've heard of just 10 days in 10 days 50,000 people in elderly fox homes uh, passed away 50,000 in just 10 days millions of people already have died after the second dose i believe that the 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 jab is is being highly highly underreported now wednesday night we had a bible study and uh, my friend Ken brought up the question, what can we do to unite the church? To, to, because we have all this dis disparity and belief in the church on, to some degree, inconsequentials. And it occurred to me, and I answered him, and I said, uh, you know, what normally brings people together is a common enemy. And then I thought, you know, that very well could be the persecution is going, is going to be what it takes to bring the church together. And since then, I wondered, everybody's been talking about this great revival that's going to come. We keep thinking about, you know, like America, you know, everybody going back to church and just, just wonderful, you know? And what if the great revival 
is actually one under persecution. Do you guys have any any thoughts on that, Sean or Pat? Yeah, the church has always done better under persecution and always become lukewarm in conditions that have been um, too easy. And um, I can say too, it's a it's a you know this is a spiritual war for sure. You know, it manifests in politics, it manifests in culture, it manifests in these things. But the, the actual thing is it's a we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We know these are principalities and powers. Um, we see them at work. Uh, we see prophecy being fulfilled. It's been interesting on these mandates. Um, rather than just come and arrest us and take us away, they're just making it impossible to live. My wife is on her second job. She's a nurse. And they were heroes last year. Now they're zeros because they won't take the the, the jab. And, you know, uh, the, the administration just a few months ago said they were not going to mandate. They didn't believe in mandates. And now we see mandates. And that's that's how it goes. There's a little bit of, of loss at a time. And I think that if we're not awake as Christians, we will we will not see those things. It'll be so gradual that we'll be behind the prison gates before we actually realize that it's gone as far as it has. So I agree 100% Archer that we just need to do uh, civil disobedience in a godly way, in a righteous way, but we need to do civil disobedience and say no. And um, we have a, a holdout group of people in America, many of them Christians that are saying no. And it's frustrating the politicians. It's frustrating those in power because they're not getting the knee bend that they want. And they keep progressively making it. When you tell a, a single mom with children that she has to pick between her health or feeding her children, that is just downright evil. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, there are no free lunches in the boxcars, by the way. I, I want to let that be known just in case anybody tells you it's, hey, come in the boxcar, it's free lunch. There are no free lunches. Uh, Pastor Patrick, did you have a comment? Yeah, in what reference to what Arthur was saying, we call that, at least in America, we call that a deep clean. And uh, God may be doing a deep clean on the church, and persecution might be the chemical he uses to scrub deeply and get it clean. I re remember reading Richard Wormbrand's book, Tortured for Christ, many mm -hmm. years ago. And so I'm paraphrasing, but I recall him saying that when they were in prison and being tortured, that they would often be singing praises together, and it didn't matter if he was standing next to a Presbyterian or a Catholic priest at the end of the day when persecution comes and you're singing to Jesus together, um, it goes to show who truly loves the Lord, regardless of the petty things we argue about when things are easy. Okay, so we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, Pastor Arthur, is there a, a GoFundMe or uh, any kind of uh, legal assistance fund that you have going? Well, people can come to our website, www.streetchurch.ca, streetchurch.ca. There is PayPal over there. There is e-transfer, and they can send a check. Um, but I want to say something about the fire and the persecution, because some time ago, I remember God spoke to me, and he said those words. He said, they have rejected my revival when I wanted to come and he used love, mercy, and grace. God wanted us to be blessed because of his mercy, his grace, and his love. But people have rejected 
his mercy, grace, and love. And then he says, but I will have my revival. He calls this his revival. I will have my revival, but it will come through the fire. So I knew immediately when he said that, I knew that persecution is coming, difficult times are coming for the church, and the people are going to lose their toys because the toys have been always obstacles to do what God wanted the church to do. It was just too comfortable, too nice. Other people were dying all around the world for their faith, but America, Western civilization had too good. America has forgotten who gives the blessings, who owns the blessings, and they kicked God out. And I said that for the past four months. I said, America, if you want, if you want your freedoms, if you want your country back, bring God back to your country. You need to bring God back to your country. You have kicked him out left and right. You kicked the prayers. You kicked the Bible. You kicked the Ten Commandments from the uh, justice system, from the courts. I mean, what do you think is going to happen when God leaves the house? A disaster, a darkness. So you need to bring first. That's the number one thing. You got to bring God back to your nation. You have to repent from your sins, turn away from your wicked ways. And then when you seek his face and you pray, then it says, then he will hear. He's not hearing. He's not answering. Because Americans have to come to, to their knees. The same with Canada. Canadians have been so arrogant working against God that it's unbelievable. I've seen it for so many years. Abortion, murdering children, marijuana, alcoholism, selfishness, self-centeredness, pornography. I mean, ego, left and right, unbelievable. Pride parades, naked people parading on the streets in front of the children. And somehow you think that God is not going to punish a nation that does vile things like this. It was just a matter of time. If you would listen to my preachings 10 years, 15 years ago, I said that like a broken record. It's just a matter of time when he's going to stand up from his throne and he's going to start shaking. Well, it's happening. He's shaking. We all are being shaken. I'm being shaken. You're being shaken. We all are being purified in the fire. We are all in the fire. And I right. pray that I will pass the test. I pray that you will pass the test. We pray. We have to come and pray that in the end of the day, God's will will be done in our lives. That we will endure to the end. That we would finish the race in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. And it's we've run out of time. I appreciate uh, all three of you gentlemen joining me today, Pastor Arthur. We're going to pray for you rather quickly. Would you guys join in as, as uh, we pray and, and uh, audibly? Now, Father, we ask that you would uh, uh, help us in the days to come. Would you uh, lead and guide Pastor Arthur and pastors across this nation, across the world, and the people in the congregations that— uh, we would know what to do and how to do it, and we would turn to you for help, and that you would deliver us. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Pastor Arthur, uh, God's blessings on you. Keep up the good fight, and we will check Amen. back with you. Yes. It's okay. 
Okay. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, that's a wrap. Folks, thanks for joining us today, and please stay tuned for a moment of clarity. God bless America.